It's Sam Swikowski here from the Fremantle Dockers, and you are listening to the Footy Mailbag Podcast with Damo and Clara. Hello and welcome to the Footy Mailbag. You have just heard our new intro, which we hope YouTube and their respective gremlins approve of. And we are back with another set of teams to look at. Last week's episode had some great responses, a few housekeeping bits to get out of the way first. Let me remind you, my name is Damo and help me out as he usually does is Clarky. Helping? I don't think I've helped once in the four years we've been doing Mailbag, Damo. You helped plenty. I'm here. That's certainly something. And I thought as a solid, as a solid separate state of footy mailbag, we would have been exempt from YouTube's copyright laws. And now we've had to change the theme. Everything's changing. Everything is changing, including our guest MJ from the coaches panel was meant to join us today, but he's had to step out due to a work emergency. We'll have him on a podcast later in the preseason. Stepping in for MJ is another J. It's Big J from the Center Bounce and Fancast YouTube channels. Thanks so much for coming on to chat some Supercoach with us. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Always good to have you doing some good work over there at the Centre Bounce. They've started their preseason over there. Go and have a look at their YouTube videos. They've talked about the defenders. They've just uploaded an episode about midfielders, and I'm sure they've got much more coming. Yeah, now we've kind of gone through every line. So next up, I think, is rucks and then forwards. We've got another one on kind of the mid-prices and then the rookies as well. So tried to cover an episode of everything that, the fans can just jump on and then keep track of these players during the preseason because obviously um, players are coming back from their Christmas holidays soon. Go and check those out for sure. Sam Switkowski, huge shout out to him for helping us with the intro. He's now this podcast's favorite player. And we will start releasing merch throughout the season with a banter respectfully t-shirt now available in black on white and white on black variants. The link is on our link tree, which we will link in the description of this podcast. Remember, the best way you can support us is through capitalism and by giving us your money, not just your views. Give us your money. Today, we are going to be looking exclusively at four teams, Adelaide, Essendon, Fremantle and Sydney. And again, I'd just like to remind people, all buy rounds will be best 18 and the season is going to start at round one. Opening round will still count for break-evens, so players in the eight opening round teams will rise in value after round two, but you will still be able to change it, alter your team before the actual round one when all the 18 teams play. How did you react to that when it was announced, Jez? Um, It was interesting. I don't know how relevant it's going to be, but it's really going to force our hand a lot on these starting rookies and a lot of these starting mid-prices as well. Maybe not so many guys that we're going to cover today, but there is a few players that I'm looking at, especially in the forward line, that, hey, if they have a good round zero game, I better jump on and get them because I know they're going to jump an extra at least 50 or 60K, you know, if they're scoring 80 or 90 and they're sub 300. So it... There's going to be a lot of bias to the round zero games as to how we're going to make our teams this year. Something we haven't really seen as much. Um, Kind of take it as we go, really. So how this episode is going to work, a lot like last week's with DR, we aren't only going to go by position, but also by price category, premiums, mid-prices and cheapies. And like I said before, we will be looking exclusively at Essendon, Adelaide, Fremantle and Sydney. And we will start in defense with Luke Ryan, 
611K in uh, averaged 109.5 last year. Because of the Dockers buy round, Luke Ryan is quite a popular starting selection and I've seen him in a lot of early drafts. How do you guys feel about selecting him and at that price? I'm on defense about it. <laughs> You're welcome. New year, same podcast, babies. We got this. He's not my most interest. Like, I'm not the most interested in him as a Fremantle player. Uh, I think there's another option that we'll talk about very shortly. I just don't think the value is quite there for me, for Luke Ryan. It's He's talented for sure, but we don't really know if that's going to continue. And I, I don't feel confident considering the other options that are available for that around that above 600 mark. Yeah. Just touching on Frio for a second. It's a team that in my eyes really has never been that super coach relevant, but because of the round 13 buy, as Damo mentioned, a lot of these players are starting to slowly come into considerations. Um, Luke Ryan, for me, He's a think-about type player, someone who, if he does well in the preseason, depending on how the structure lines up and some other things happen, of about, you know, someone that we'll talk about in a little while. But if you can't afford a Dacos or someone else, then maybe go for a Luke Ryan, as he's a little bit cheaper and doesn't have that early buy. Um, But for me, he's a no-picking at the moment. Maybe someone you want to upgrade into or upgrade to after round 13. He's he's someone for me whose role isn't quite as assured as it has been in the past, especially with the players that could join him in the back line compared to the players that might leave in the back line. So we will move to Hayden Young now, who is 525k also in defense. He's, he's moving to the midfield. So Luke Ryan might have a slight change in role, which affects his scoring either positively or negatively, but Hayden Young moving to the midfield, um, average 94 in 2023. Um, he looks like some, he looks like a player people have locked into their back lines just based on the preseason murmurings. And now Luke Ryan's going to have some other players down back that he needs to rely on. And he might have a different role because of that. And to me, it, it means that his price could either drop or his price could rise, but we don't know the effect of the personnel around him being changed. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, if we look at Hayden Young, it's, you know, I think really those last four scores last year of 123, 118, 113, 111, that my understanding is he did go into a more midfield-based role with those. That is really causing a big stir at the moment and he's kind of like, hey, I'm always a big advocate of you pick your midfielders in the midfield, you pick your defenders, they either take kickouts or the ones that will play midfield like a Sinclair and a few other players did last year. So Hayden Young follows in that group and at a discounted price, if he's popping out a 110 average in that position, you almost lock it in, right? You, you keep him, if he doesn't score super well, you're expecting 100 with natural progression of a player. So he's a little bit underpriced already. Um, and then just offload him at his at his buy if um all things go poorly. So yeah, he's a pick for me. He's one of those guys who kind of sits in that Jordan Dawson basket from um from a few years ago, where 
we knew Jordan Dawson was moving to the midfield, but we didn't quite know what that looked like. And it wasn't until 2023 where we really saw the impact that Jordan Dawson could have running in that centre bounce set setup. So we might not see a full flight Hayden Young, the midfielder, in 2024, but he would still average well enough to be a viable selection at his price. Young man, it's it's tough for me to say. It's it's easy to say in the preseason, and we talk about this all the time. Oh, I'm training with the midfield group. I'm doing X. I'm doing Y. You know, picking yourself up off the ground and putting yourself in whatever shoes you need to fill. So, Hayden Young is attractively priced. I think he's a pick with caution at this stage because it's all talk, right? You can train with as many different groups as you want and that's fine. And he's got a reasonable average from 2023 that you could pick him and that's going to be fine. But ultimately it's still, you need probably what a 10 point upside Mm. for it to be really valuable once again, compared to he's a long-term premium at the at that price. So, is it going to be there all season? Is it going to be there at the start of the season? Like you said, Damo, we might not see it in twenty twenty four. We might see the rumblings, but then you have to ask yourself: Am I willing to accept what the floor is? Because if that's not good enough for you, and if that's too much risk for your team, then you're kind of just picking a player who you're taking a punt on a really expensive player. I guess kind of the counterpoint to that argument as well is that because he's around that 530, 520 mark, there are a few other players like a guy that we'll talk about a bit later that fit into a nice sideways option that should be around the mark or at least another undervalued option that you know is going to score well for a long period of time. So it's like, hey, look, my 650K midfielder didn't work. Well, before his first price drop, I'll sideways to someone who's dominating there is that option a little bit with Hayden Young and there's probably a little bit of safety net with that as well because of that for me. Yeah, it depends which way the trajectory goes, doesn't it? Because he could also start like a house on fire and then be forced back into his older, defensive, more defensive role because of injury structure. Maybe Freo aren't doing so good. Sorry, Damo. I, th- I don't think his role would change because of how the team is going, I think they would stick with it more if the team wasn't going so well but i think they're at a i think i think the dockers are at a point where they need to work out who's best in each position because they don't want to rob peter to pay paul to have a dominant midfield but a but like a bad backline and 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 then and and, and vice versa so i think it, i think I think the midfield is going to be the place for Hayden Young. Whether we see it full time in twenty twenty four, though, is an is another thing. These next three players, I'm going to group together: Jake Lloyd, five hundred and thirty five k premium; Nick Blakey, four hundred ninety nine k premium? Question mark. <laughs> premium air um, quotes, <laughs> and then. I'm going to throw in Joel Hamling as a uh, as a 264k mid pricer. So I threw in Hamling because I think Hamling's addition 
makes Blakey and Lloyd potentially more relevant with neither of them needing to play a key post as they have in the past when the Swans have been a little bit thin down the back. But in terms of Hamling as a super coach option, I don't know if he's as cheap as he needs to be for us to select him, but that doesn't make him irrelevant. In It's what happens with the players around him that makes him relevant. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. It's more interesting to see if he helps the other players improve rather than me thinking about putting him in my starting squad. My understanding is if Hamling does play, he's going to come in and take that Paddy McCartan role because we obviously know what happened with him in concussions and not being able to play anymore. So let's pretend that Hamling is just Paddy McCartan from last year, right? Still playing that key defender role. Was Jake Lloyd and Nick Blakey relevant in Supercoach last year? Not really. It's not Blakey went two years ago when he was 400K and had, you know, a, a bit of a breakout season for a lot of those people that picked him up cheap. Um, similar with Jake Lloyd. It, it's it's a similar thing. So for me, I don't really, I mean, they're not in my calculations and I probably won't be picking any Sydney defenders unless a Jake Lloyd is super cheap and I need bench cover at some point. So. Well, Jake Lloyd being 535,000, I'd probably say that's on the lower end given 16 scores over 90 or more as a defender. I mm-hmm. owned Jake Lloyd last year and I don't think there was ever a point I kind of went, ah, oh, this hasn't really panned out because he's he's had that massive ceiling in the past. And I know that we, you know, past performance isn't an indication of future performance and all, all that fun stuff. But we know what he's capable of and he's really there to sort of lead by example. I think he's one of those players... And same with Blakey as well, who like they've been in that defensive unit for a while now. So I think if he's averaging 95 at 535, it's a very similar boat to Hayden Young. But mm. you know, you want you want that upside really at that price. But if you're willing to cop the floor, then Jake Lloyd is more attractive to me because he has history. My my only problem with the price is that. I'd rather spend 100k more and get a Sicily or a Stewart or a Dacos, or I'd rather get someone at his similar price in a Ridley, who we'll probably talk about today, and then a Hayden Young, who I can both see averaging more than what their current price is. Like Jake Lloyd, you know what you're going to get. For the last few seasons, it feels like he's been around that 95 average. So why would I pick him over these other guys who I think are actually going to end up scoring more and have a bit more upside than what Jake Lloyd is to start? I think that's it. I think it's it's the it's the consistency factor that that's really what what you end up paying for. I think as a Jake Lloyd, like maybe that's you know me holding on to what was his last, what was his brilliant year? Was it 2018, 2019, I think twenty seventeen? So. Around yeah. then, the guy he'll be good forever. Put him in that basket with Jack McRae. <laughs> Just touching on Nick Blakey at full flight, he put up some very impressive scores. I think it was the games where he kind of had to play as that second, third tall that really affected his output. And that's probably why people won't pick him because they're not quite sure how that Sydney back line is going to operate. But midway through the season, if he's if, if he's just come out of the blocks and gone gangbusters, then he might be someone who we look at after that early Sydney buy um maybe even a little bit cheaper than in, than he is to start, even though he is starting it for under 500k. That's the great thing about Sydney having the round five buy is that you can kind of leave these guys out 
at their price and pick them up post that buy and then ride them until round 12. Or you can even wait later and see how that Sydney system works because we know Sydney are going to be dangerous this year. They're a list filled with young talent. They've just added, and we'll get to the rucks later, but I think we all know who we're going to be talking about in the rucks. They've added that kind of talent to their list that the trajectory is looking up for Sydney as a whole. So this gives us a chance to decide whether, okay, I can build structure with this or you can wait until that round 12 and then move through that second half of the season with, you know, a Jake Lloyd who, you know, a Nick Blakey who you can see what's happening or in probably the furthest case, Joel Hamling as maybe he's, maybe he's really good. (laughs) Maybe he scores real good. That's, I will not give you good odds on it, but maybe it's not impossible. The next set of players that I want to talk about is Jordan Ridley, Mason Redmond, and Andrew McGrath. All fairly similarly priced between 485k and 530k. Does the addition of Ben Mackay free one of these guys up? Does it make any any of them less relevant? Does it move an Andrew McGrath into the midfield and make him relevant a bit like a Hayden Young? Like, if Andrew McGrath moves into the midfield, why aren't we talking about him the same way we're talking about Hayden Young? How do you guys feel about these three guys now that Ben Mackay is now at the Bombers? I don't feel anything. I feel comfortably numb. Jordan Ridley and Mason Redman were both sort of tag teaming into one was doing really well one week. Then then Redman was doing well and then Ridley got knocked out and then Redman was doing really bad because he had to kind of do everything. And then you throw in the other Essendon defenders who are on the list as well. Nick Cox and Zach Reed is the cheapy and Nick Cox is a mid pricer. And then you throw in Ben Mackay and I don't know what Essendon are doing. I don't trust Essendon. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a market I could do without. If you guys ended up catching our Defender Premium Talk, you'll know how hot Joey's, who's the other person on the centre bounce, on Jordan Ridley and the addition of Ben Mackay and how strong Essendon's going to be in that back line. Um, it seems, at least so far, that Ben Mackay is really going to free up Jordan Ridley from doing key position work, which is something that has really hindered his scoring. Um, to my understanding, Ridley is a fantastic intercept player and has really good game knowledge. It's only been the fact that he's got a key defend and BZT's a flop that has hindered his scoring. And we've seen last year with some really big scores. I'm looking at a couple of 120s, a few 130s in here. When he was allowed to go off and do his own thing on field, take those kickouts as well, that he dominated and he scored quite well in Supercoach. So for me, he's a serious wait and watch. Um, I'm glad that at least the preseason games, he doesn't play round zero but at least the preseason games are going to be televised and we can kind of analyze what he does and what Ben Mackay does. But alongside Hayden Young and position changes, he's in serious consideration for my starting team because if he comes out and scores 120, you know, 110, 115 in the first three or four weeks, he's going to shoot up in price and you don't want to have to chase 600K to get Jordan Ridley in your team. It it could really hurt um, not having him and being that price, you could probably take maybe two of the 600K guys and then him and a Hayden Young and you'd be pretty happy. So I have an issue with Jordan Ridley and it's that every time I seem to own him or trade him in, that's when he gets injured or that's when he gets concussed or that's when he has a role change because someone else got injured. And so just as a whole, I'm scared to own him. But 
he's definitely someone who I'm going to be sitting, waiting, watching because, like you said there, Jez, if he comes out of the blocks because his role has changed with Ben Mackay coming into that back line, he's someone who we might have to get just out of necessity for not missing out on those massive scores, which you will need mm. to move up the ranks. Yeah, it's a tricky one. You, We've always been punished at some times during the seasons where other people have had a player and then you haven't had them and they're scoring huge numbers. I remember Nick Dacos, kind of no one started him last year and then we were really punished. And Ridley could be that player for us as well um, from a team that, you know, a lot of people won't be picking players from. So hopefully you don't have a shared buy with a few of your other defenders and is going to be a real pot at least for the first 10 to 12 weeks until the first buy. I like having red dog in my team so I can say that I got that dog in me and not mean a hot dog. <laughs> but I also think Mason Redmond is super attractively priced to talk about a non-Jordan Ridley prospect at the moment. He, When he is free to do what he needs to do, he's a beautiful user of the ball and I think he's someone that Essendon are going to sorely need as well alongside Ridley. If Andrew McGrath does move to the midfield, should we be talking about him the same way we are Hayden Young? I personally, I think not. Um, it's a weird one, but I think you can only have a couple of these players. And I don't know if Andy McGrath's had that history of at least scoring or being around the mark. Hayden Young was supposed to be the breakout player last year, right? A lot of people started him or had him, or at least had him in their sights early on. Um, I don't think McGrath's ever really been that player for me personally. And I think that in itself is swaying a little bit of my decision-making with picking Hayden Young over him as a defensive option is like, cool, he's been ready, he's been ready, natural progression, that kind of thing. Um, Essendon's midfield is getting a little bit busier at the moment. Um, And yeah, it's a no for me, really. We had people asking us, asking, well, asking us to discuss Heath Chapman, um, 251k, only played three games last season, but appears to maybe be moving to a wing half back role at the Dockers. Um, I won't spend too much time on him, but until I see him in the preseason and how he works with the back line, because it sounds like the entire back line is going to be moving into the midfield and that's just not going to happen. Mm. So even if Heath Chapman does remain in the back line, I think at 250k, he could be a nice option, but if I was choosing to leave out one of these mid-price players that people are really hot on, Heath Chapman's probably the first one that I would leave out just because of his injury history. And at 250k, you, there's nowhere really to go up, and you have to get so you have to go down. And there's not a massive amount of rookies looking likely that they will be playing um, early, early early on. Yep, I agree. <laughs> no notes, Damo. Um, yeah, for me, Heath Chapman's a weird one where I don't know about you guys and your starting defenses, but I'll probably have one mid-pricer and currently that's Zach Williams. Um, Heath Chapman for what 40 K more just doesn't fill that need for me. And there's probably three or four rookie price defenders that we want to take. We'll talk about a couple now and yeah, it, it, the price and the position and whatnot is too awkward for me. We'll move on to the midfield in just a second, but Daniel Curtin, Oscar McDonald, and Zach Reed are the cheapies that you should be looking at from 
these teams. Daniel Curden averaged 86 in four senior waffle games. So he has that experience against bigger bodies and will probably play that Tom Duday role now that he's off to Brisbane. I'm gonna we don't need to talk about Oscar McDonald. I don't think Oscar McDonald's relevant. Zach Reed, who knows? Daniel Curtin's probably the only rookie from these teams that is relevant. Yeah, I think so. Um, Curtin, I, I have a big respect for these teams, especially um, Adelaide, who kind of came out of nowhere and spent up big to get him into their team. I'm pretty sure it was like a future first or something they traded in so to, to get him across to their team. Um, he'll play early. I'm not con- sure of the role. I've heard some reports it could be down back or kind of a bit of a hybrid mix with the midfield. We'll have to wait and see. But first round pick has played against men is more of this inflated price. But going over the the strategy for Supercoach and kind of the AFL in general, these first round players, they're almost game ready to start with. So put more weight into spending a little bit more on these type of players because he'll probably end up 350K at some point. And you don't want to miss out on doing that or having that guy on your team because you didn't want to spend 50K more on taking him over an awesome McDonald, a Zach Reed, or someone else. And the DPP's nice. Yes. We'll move into the midfield, and we'll start with players from a team we didn't really talk about in defence. Uh, Rory Laird and Jordan Dawson at Adelaide, they both average pretty much the same at 116, 115. Um, and there's only mm. about five, uh, 6K difference between them. Because they don't have the early buy, you could conceivably start both. But if you were choosing one or the other, who would you go with and why? Jordan Dawson, because he's slightly cheaper and he's got a real nice kick to- kick on him. It just brings me joy. There's no strategy behind that. That's all vibes. Because like you said, Damo, it's hard to split these two sort of down the middle. They both do very different things through the midfield and what they do, they are two of the best at. So you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be unhappy with either option. Um, for me, it's pick Dawson hundred percent. I had him in my starting team in my starting video for super coach. And I'm not sure if he's going to stay, but being the captain of the team, seeing how his role is like being that transition player, the guy that will run back and take kickouts as well. Um, a lot of us in super coach got punished by picking Rory led early last year his people captained his 50 and then he kind of fell off the the rails a little bit. It's fair to say. So I think as Adelaide gets stronger, as more people rotate through the midfield, he will be that selfless player and get stuck doing a tagging or more tackling role. And then other people will start to take the, the ball off him. And we saw that a little bit last year. So if I had to pick one of the two, it's definitely not Laird, it's Dawson, even just the age demographic. As these guys start to get to 30, we know how battered, Rory Laird's body has been. Maybe he's going to come in and be fitter and whatnot. But yeah, if I had to pick one, it would be Dawson. And I'm not sure yet. It doesn't offer a lot of value at that price. For what it's worth, I think Jordan Dawson as well, just because of his role. And you can't really use him in the same way as you use Rory Laird. And Jordan Dawson is more in that mold of the modern midfielder. So I'm agreeing with both of you there. What about... Zach Merritt at Essendon, 650K. He's an interesting one, right? Zach Merritt's, he's always been the post-buy player for me. I think the last two or three years post-buy, I've picked him up and he's done fantastic. And I think this year it's going to be a similar thing as well. Um, Around that 650 mark, I might end up picking up a Petrarca just because I know how devastating he can be. But Zach Merritt always feels like 
is a bit selfless or he has those games where he gets just to 100 and it ends up being a much cheaper score. So it's a wait and see what happens with, you know, their Ruckman situation and how their midfield mid looks. If you don't finish your team with Zach Merritt, you're in trouble. But I think you don't have to start him. You're not going to get as punished. I don't know if you're in trouble for not having him in your team, but I think he's going to be one of those players who you look at and strongly consider down the stretch at some point if you don't start with him. Um, Patch, he wrote an article for Code Sports um, because he now works there, and he thinks that Zach Merritt is overpriced to, to, to start with. Very funny that you like drive by Patch by saying he's by pointing out he's sold out. Uh, <laughs> love you, Patch. I think out of the two, the two big dog Essendon midfielders, Zach Merritt, Darcy Parish. I want Merritt. Will mm. I start Merritt? Probably not. I, I I agree. I agree with Jez on the point that he actually works his way into the season a lot more than he starts on fire, and. Just overall, I'm really I got some question marks over Essendon, not in terms of like ability, but just in terms of well, which is it gonna be? Are you gonna be like a half decent list that's improved or are you gonna regress slightly, but not enough to be like completely bottom out? Who know who knows? I think they're gonna be a bit of a mixed bag as well. And we there's a few other midfielders in the Essendon backlogs, I think, that could even step through, like we were talking about. Does McGrath come through the midfield a little bit more? Does that take away from Parish and Merritt? Like, and they don't. They need one of those guys to be a superstar. Mm. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this at all, and and this is by no means a dig at Essendon directly, but I think I I have never seen a game where I'm like, oh yeah, Zach Merritt's absolutely like taking this on all by himself, like he wants to do everything, or like Darcy Parish is like he's the guy right now, like he wants to be the guy. It's a bit. Everyone's kind of a bit unselfish and you kind of, you need like a Toby Green. You need like a Christian Petrarca or like multiple guys like that who are kind of like, like a Nick Dacos. I want the ball. Give me the ball. I want to do the thing. And, you know, they always end up coming good super coach wise and they're always, they're really good players. But, you know, you can't like for these guys that I'm starting in that ultra premium 650 price range, Mm. I want a big dog. Like, I, w- I want to, like, even Jordan Dawson, Rory Laird, who we just spoke about, they're both guys who get the ball and they are statement players. Like, I've seen, I can't tell you, every single time I watch an Adelaide game, I see Jordan Dawson absolutely pinpoint a kick inside 50 on the run from the square. And I'm like, oh, that's just like a thing of beauty. So I think out, out of the two, you probably want Zach Merritt at some point, but I don't know if he's in consideration for my starting side, and I can see why you would start him. But there's a lot of question marks, I think, that are going to be answered by preseason and, you know, early into the season, whether or not this is that's a mistake or paying off. And Yeah, definitely. It feels like, for me, he's he's too selfless, like you say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, you did say that, and I went <laughs> the really long way of agreeing with you. You say that he's unselfish, and... Darcy Parrish is almost the opposite of unselfish, but he will have 30 disposals and not do a lot with the ball. He's 604k to start the season, and that just seems a little too expensive for what he produces in real game situations, considering he can have 35 disposals, 
but only be going at 50% and, and only actually score points off half of what he picks up. And he doesn't have a big impact forward of center. He doesn't rebound from, from down back. He's, he's, he's in the middle. He will have games where he goes massive, but ultimately he just doesn't do enough with the ball to be an attractive player to start at above 600 K. You're right, Damo. He's not unselfish. He's incompetent. I I agree. I didn't say that. I didn't say incompetent. I, I just said he's very sloppy with his disposal and doesn't do a lot with the ball when he has it. Where's the lie? He He's always felt like that player that, oh, I can't afford the really good players post-buy, so I try and go at Darcy Parrish and hope that he starts scoring well. Um, that's what it's always felt like for me. And, yeah, definitely not picking him over some other players. Yeah, we've got Zach Merritt at home. Yeah. Hey guys, Damo here from the editing booth. Just realised that we forgot to talk about Chad Warner. He's a player who I think we have to wait and see on just to ensure that natural progression has truly taken place in his game. Averaged more than he did in 2022, but only an extra four points with... Six or seven games under 90, and we really need him to show some consistency. And without Callum Mills in that midfield, the platform is clear for him to have that extra boost in his scoring. But I think he is a wait-and-see pick and jump on after the Sydney buy. No longer has forward eligibility, but is Errol Goulden still someone we can select in our midfield at, uh, at Sydney? Yes. I like him. I, I like Errol Goulden a lot. He's young. He's tenacious. And as I'm, I'm very scared of Sydney. How, how do you guys feel about Sydney as a whole coming into 2024? I'm very scared of Sydney just from a football perspective. Like, I don't want to play them. I don't want, I don't want to watch this rise. Like the, the young talent that's coming through there. He managed to score all of that. He had these down games, 18, 18 scores over 90 is huge for, a, for the price that he was. 600 is a bit expensive, but the weapons that they've added around him give him that freedom to continue to do what makes him mo- the most damaging. It's an interesting one, right? I don't think this year I've seen a starting team with Errol Goulden in it, in that midfield. I think a lot of people have picked Rayshaw, who we'll probably talk about soon, and Tom Greens and some other players who are around the similar price point um, over Goulden. So it, it, it's a real interesting one. If Brody Grunny comes in and favours him and really boosts his scoring up, because I think Sydney's always had trouble with their rucks. Um, if that adds a few extra points onto Goulden, then fantastic. But I think there's real bias there towards him being a forward option last year and then coming in now and then not being a forward option. And then like people just swaying away. Um, yeah, for me, I don't have him in my team. But if he comes out and does really well in round zero and then the preseason games, a lot of these type of players can force themselves into your team. So not starting, but can be swayed to put him in if he does well and someone else doesn't do well around the same price for me. He's been in all of my starting drafts. I mean, <laughs> in, in, in if you put his scores from last season in isolation, as a midfielder, mm. you would have loved that in your midfield. And I think people are, I think people get a little too scared picking these players or a little too, 
you used a good word there, Jez, when you said bias in not picking these players when they lose their dual position. But if you put mm. his scores from last season in isolation and you had that player in your midfield, you would have had a great season. You would have loved that player. I don't know why we can't select Errol Goulden in our midfield or why people aren't selecting Errol Goulden in their midfield because he was actually scoring how we would want him to score or how we would want a midfielder to score um, during the during the season. The only difference is we had him in our forward line, which made our forward line so strong, but we don't have those options in our forward line this season because these players are now in, in other positions. But that doesn't mean that these players aren't relevant. And we spoke about it with Josh Dunkley last week. Just because Josh Dunkley is no longer available as a forward doesn't mean that he's not relevant. And that's the same with with Errol Goulden. Mm, agreed. We will move on to a pair of Fremantle midfielders, Caleb Sarong and Andrew Brayshaw. Um, Caleb Sarong is only $500 less than Errol Goulden um, and averaged 0.1 less than Errol Goulden did. And... I actually thought that Caleb Sarong had the better season, probably the more consistent season because Errol Goulden did have those poor games. But as for Andrew Brayshaw, started the season slowly, built into the season. It was after about round eight or nine where he really started to get going. And it really wouldn't surprise me to see people starting Sarong and Brayshaw. Going back to what I said at the start with Luke Ryan and having that round 13 bias and you know, having that good buy round is a reason why I think people people might pick both or at least pick one of the two in their starting teams. I've seen a lot of Brayshaws. I haven't seen many Caleb Sarons at all. Um, maybe it's Vic Bias. Obviously, you, you were saying that um, being a fan of the team, you thought he maybe had a better season than a few other guys. We didn't really see it that much over here. Um, but from what I'm seeing teams at the moment, it's, it's all Andy Brayshaw. Maybe it's being like that little bit cheaper that's kind of swayed momentum and with things like that. But yeah, it it's wise to start one of them just for the age profile. And I think gone of the days where we've been stuck with having to pick, you know, the first five or six guys and they're always being the same, right? And this year especially is the rise of these guys who are early to mid twenties who are scoring premium numbers. And, you know, they're not going to have those issues where their bodies break down because they're getting close to 30 and they've had, 10 years of getting battered. Um, he's looking at Rory Laird. So if you start one of the two, fantastic. Start both. It's a little bit tricky because you're really banking on Fremantle having a good season. Um, but yeah, Brayshaw for me out of the two at the moment. I can be swayed, but it's going to cost me an extra, what, 13K to do it. I think it's it's almost a foregone, I think, to pick Brayshaw this year. Just because he, he had an undisclosed hampering to his year and still only average two less points than Sarong for for the sake of twenty K, that's a punt I'm willing to take on a premium. And like and like you were saying, Jez, he's in that perfect age profile as well where it's it's time to step up or ship out and I'll mm. probably be demo I'm expecting a weekly is Brayshaw broken this week. <laughs> and right up until round zero, round zero, round one, because if he fighting fit is a no-brainer, I think. Strong as well, just an immaculate player. But you sort of when you have to split the difference, you just end up going by price, really, at that at that range when they're so close together from the same team. When you're looking at like diversity, I think I don't like starting two from the same team personally. 
just because I like to diversify as much as possible. But if it suits your structure and you've planned out your buys and everything like that, you can definitely start with both and I wouldn't blink twice. I think Caleb Sarong is the one to start out of the two. I have locked Caleb Sarong in a long way out, way before the team picker was released. It's just a gut feel. I don't have any solid information as to why. I just think Caleb Sarong's role is a little more assured. Andrew Brayshaw is a much better player and a much more versatile player in terms of other positions around the ground, whereas Caleb Sarong's one wood is really just in that midfield. So I think you're more assured in what scoring you're going to get from Caleb Sarong than you are Andy Brayshaw. In saying that, though, I think Andy Brayshaw's big games will be bigger than Caleb Sarong's big games. So I'm going for consistency by picking Caleb Sarong. But if you want someone with a high ceiling, I think Andrew Brayshaw is the, is the way to go. Fine. You have that West bias or whatever. What's the West Western Australian equivalence of Brayshaw is a Vic name and we will stand by it. <laughs> Do it for Hamish. Is Matt Crouch a primo, a fallen primo or a mid-pricer? He's, he's not in your team. He could be fine. He could not be. He's a draft option. I, I don't see... I don't see a massive return to form. And if he does, you're better off jumping on the elevator as it's going up rather than starting off and hoping that the it works when the doors close behind you and you can't get out. 490K is a lot of money to invest in someone who who you're That's really probably only looking at as a money maker. I, I mean, 89 in six of seven games that went after he, he returned is quite impressive. Who, but... I don't know what that Adelaide midfield looks like going into 2024, but I've seen him in a lot of teams and 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 as high as that M4 position as well. So I just, yeah, I've, I've, I'm only reporting what I've seen. Um, that's, that's, I want to see the rest of that team. <laughs> I... I just wanted to talk about him. I'm glad we all seem to be on the same page that he's not someone that we should really be looking at. There's somebody yeah. else on this list, Damo, that's right underneath Matt Crash that I would rather take a punt on because it's more fun. Should we talk about him now? Let's do it. Is it one last ride for Nat Fife? No. Next 2024 question. Brownlow year. <laughs> if Fife Word third. coming out of the club is that he's over his injuries. Everything that plagued him last season he is completely over. He's had a full preseason to date. He's he's been in the match simulations. He's been in he's been in all the drills. He's in the midfield, in the forward line, on the wing. He looks apparently he looks as good as he's ever looked. Of course, the club's going to say that, but at two hundred and eighty three k, he's always able to be selected rate. in the forward line. And we know the forward line's an absolute trash heap. Is it one last ride for Nat Fife? <laughs> the look on the look on your face, Jazz, is is beautiful because it's the sensible look. It's mm. it's a very sensible he's he's looking at like two people who've just gone like if we just spend a thousand dollars on lottery tickets, we'll just make the money back. It's fine. It's yeah. it's fine. If if we get stuck and there's absolutely no one we can pick, if James Jordan, if Tom Lynch, if everyone who's a mid pricer in that forward line shits the bed then maybe Nat Fife comes into considerations. But as a mid-pricer in the midfield, mate, I've got two levels of players in that midfield this year. I've got guys who are going to be keepers at five to 600K, maybe a little bit more expensive. All the rookies who are going to outscore Nat Fife 
like nine out of 10 games this season. So I know which one I'm going to pick. It definitely is the Frio bias. He wants his Brownlow medal again. If not, he'll fake a hammy so he can go like surfing again. Um, but for me personally, Nat Fife never again. It's not happening. A lot of us got hurt with him either last year or the year before as well, doing a similar thing. And obviously that didn't work out. So no, no thank you for me. I didn't do it either of those years, so this is the year for me. I'd like the record to show that even last season I told people not to pick him. This season, though, I'm a little more confident that he could be okay. What what do you expect out of his scoring? Sorry for interrupting, but what do you expect from him at 283k if you're going to pick him? I don't know if I'm going to pick him yet, but if I could guarantee an 80 average until they're by, then then, then, then I'd select him. That's probably it. That's probably about what we need. It's a massive punt, but only 50.7 from nine games, four games as a sub. Mm. I mean, like, if, if he plays a lot of games, that's, that's like... even best 22 at this point. Like, Frio feels like they've gone past him. How they've dare got you rid of the how old dare you, sir. now they're going back. Like, <laughs> How dare you, sir, you suggest that Fife is not live. If he's not best 22, he's best 23, which means we could see him in the sub vest quite a bit, which probably affects his, which probably affects his selection what, more than anything else. I so, think he's more fun than Matt Crouch. Is was my whole reason for out of the two. At that point, he ends up scoring 80 points over 10 games instead of scoring the 80 average over 10 games. I think we move on now. Jeremy Sharp is 123k, and that is rookie price for a guy who is more than likely going to be best 22. I think he's just someone you select at this point. Yeah, I've got him. If he plays. Caden Cleary, Cooper Simpson are two other cheapies to have a look at, both 117k. Let's move on to the ruck line. Sean Darcy. Yeah, fine. Whatever. <laughs> Let's... Maybe. It's, um, it, it's a really interesting one, something that I've spoken about a little bit on the show is just the fact that he does play an extra game over Grundy and Gorn. Um, if you end up having, obviously, the first couple of rounds are all best 18, the buy rounds, but it is something to consider if you're thinking, hey, one of those two are around the mark, or if you're not going to keep those as a keeper, it could end up being an extra premium that you might have in your team versus other people who take Gondi this year. Um, that's probably the only consideration I would take for him, but... Yeah, so some people will. Let's 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 move on to the Damn. guy we actually want to talk about. <laughs> Damon, the fact that you have nothing to say about Sean Darcy means that he is not even getting a look here. He should he should have come to North Melbourne. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Brody Grundy, four eighty one k. Yeah, pick him. If he, if he plays every game, golden. Easy. Do we have any worries that he doesn't return to his all Australian best? He doesn't need to. I don't really think at that price. Like I pick, I we had that year where I picked. I started Matt Flynn. I'll pay four eighty for a guy who could easily average ninety while not trying. Mm. I started Darcy Cameron for less. <laughs> like it's you know, he's saving money. Yeah, he's he's got that role for me. So it's not even all Australian best if. As a solo ruck at that Sydney club, maybe Laddams comes in and plays ruck forward or something like that to kind of pinch hit. But you know why Brody Grundy's gone there. They've told him, hey, you're the solo ruck. We know what happened at Melbourne. We know how that didn't work out. 
how you basically can't play any any other position that's not ruck. Every time Grundy's on field and there's a ruck contest, he'll probably run there and tip it out. So he might not have to go all Australian. I think it's a bit tough now with Gorn and probably Briggs and a few others coming through. But you can probably pay up that 480k and expect a 110 average pretty easily. So even if he doesn't be a keeper for the whole year, gets to 600k and you can probably sideways to English at some point. So definite starter for me. All things going as expected, he's got a 15-point upside. I agree with you. Exactly. Uh, Riley O'Brien at Adelaide, he's a serviceable selection. He's also a ruckman. He was Lechdog's R2 last season, and Lechdog finished in the top 2,000, 1,000, finished quite quite high, and and he was quite solid in what he produced for him. So not a completely outrageous selection if you want someone who just does the job every week. Um, Sam Draper mm. at Essendon, obviously with Todd Goldstein there. How much of that ruck role is shared? Uh, from what I'm hearing from Joe at the moment, who's an avid, avid Goldstein fan now that he's moved to, to Essendon from North Melbourne, but also Sammy Draper fan. Apparently Draper's not over his injuries, so Goldstein will probably take majority, if not all of the ruck time to start with. Um, Brad Scott does love his one ruckman um, lineup. And Goldie will do that. So I don't even know how much games Sam Draper plays this year, to be honest. Might just be, cool, get your body right. We'll reassess with Baldwin and you later on in the season. There's no pressure to play him early because they've got a serviceable ruck now who can basically play 100% games. All you've told me is avoid the Essendon ruck situation at all costs. Pretty much. Wasn't that already the answer? We'll move to the forward line. And the most expensive forward for these out of these four teams is Luke Jackson, forward ruck average 97.9, 15 games over 90. I like Luke Jackson more than Sean Darcy. Mm. (laughs) I agree with Jess. Mm. Sure. It's an interesting pick, right? Because you'd expect him to play every game next year, barring injury. Um, But it's just an awkward price, an awkward position. I've seen some teams start him and hope that they can get like an R3, maybe a Finbar Mailey who could play, but then has DPP. So you can swap during the early buy rounds if you've got a Gorn and Grundy. There's a bit of a strategy there, but I just don't know if he's going to be a keeper at that price. Um, And you're paying keeper money for him at that price as well. I'm really banking on that because we've got no good DPP options to start with outside of McRae, um, that we're going to get some just from rotations and whatnot early on. So do I go and spend that price on Jackson versus I could get a Harry Sheasel or someone else in a different position and then just put a rookie in the forward line? Um, you're picking him to be a keeper, basically. So is he going to be a keeper? It's 50-50 for me at the moment. Even if he plays 23 games, if he only plays like five with decent ruck minutes, then his value mm. plummets. Like he he scores a lot from that. As you were saying, Jez, the the DPP is the most valuable part of what he does. He's yep. a he's a fine forward. Luke Jackson's a talented young player. Um, it's it's too awkward for me to pick when you don't really know what you're going to be getting. His value isn't in whether he plays forward or in the ruck. His value is his versatility to play in other positions. In match simulations, he's been playing wing. He's been attending centre bounces with Sean Darcy. He can play as that big body, can play as that athletic on the outside. He can play as the interceptor down back. It really depends where they want to use him. He's he's more or less he's more or less 
like a Mark Blitzarves in in that most seasons he will average ninety to ninety five, and then he'll have the odd season where where he goes into triple digits. And I think yeah, five hundred and forty seven means you're probably taking a loss, and um, while he sort of finds his feet for the season, but do you cop that knowing that you're going to get someone who's going to average 95 to 98 for the, for the season, if that's what you're promised at the, at the beginning and his values, his versatility, not so much his forward or ruck capabilities. Yeah. I'm, I think positionally in super, I, I would positionally say having a forward ruck swing, was the value for me, but you're completely correct in that. You know, his versatility on the field is what, changes his ability to score and I didn't have it on my bingo card that I would be tempted into a player by having them compared to Mark Blitzoffs. <laughs> the forward line's a mess for a lot of the players from these four teams so it's time for traffic lights. I want you to do a green light, a yellow light or a red light. Green light means they're under consideration. Yellow light means you need to see their role in the preseason. Red light means you're not even slightly interested. Taylor Walker. Ick. That's not a color, Clarky. Red. Yeah, it's my disposition on his existence. I'm gonna. Clark is red. Okay. I'm abstaining. Jez. Big, big red, red for me. Um, he was good a couple of years ago when he was 500k. Sorry, when he was 275k and got to about 500k. That's when you should have picked him, and a lot of people did and rode that wave. But at his price now, there's just no value. Scores like a key forward, as old as the hills. Mm. Red. He's a massive red light for me. Isaac Heaney. Red. Talk about red lights, mate. This guy, burn man from every year. No no thanks. Red light for me as well. Isaac Rankin. Red. 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 It's slim pickings in the forward line from these teams, isn't there? Ben Keys. This man hurt me so much last year in my forward line. I had him and other people had Zach Butters who were scoring almost three times the points in games. It, it was painful to watch, and for that reason alone, it's a no thanks. It could become a premium, and I would be like, I really don't want to pick you because of how you hurt me last year. Yeah, can the lights go out for some of the players? <laughs> Is that an option? Red. Uh, yeah. Carl Langford. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to pick some players. For, like, I I was going through the list and being like, nah, nah, got, nah. I had to, to put someone. someone. I had to pick someone. Carl Langford, red light. Red, red. Red, red lights all around. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm saying no. Yeah. Good. no. Taylor Adams. Next question. Yellow. Uh, Yellow. It's a no for me. I think the price is too awkward. Like, if he comes out and goes bang in the preseason, then I think potentially you have to be forced to. Otherwise, you're going to dodge the pack. But he's he's no way in my consideration. I'll have one or two premiums and then go cheapies, and that's it in the forward line this year. So the only way the only way I'm picking him is if he scores like a hundred in game zero, and then is completely smashing the the preseason games, and you're forced to. I see Taylor Adams as a sideways option after round zero, if Sam Flanders doesn't continue the role he had in the back end of last season. I see a Callum Mills-shaped hole in Sydney at the moment that could be filled by Taylor Adams shortly before he explodes into Lego pieces. With uh, And if you've played any of the Lego video games, you know the exact sound he makes when he breaks. 
yellow light from me, yellow light from you, Clarky, yeah. red light from you, Jez. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Josh Rochelle. Yellow light, but only because I really like Josh Rochelle as a player and it feels mean. It's similar to Rankin in I really don't like picking small forwards that decide that they're going to start playing midfield. I think um, Rochelle probably plays a little bit more forward than what Rankin does potentially or, or vice versa, but uh, at that price... It was good as a rookie, but as like a, anything else outside of that, it's a no for me. If you're still listening to this podcast, thank you. We've descended into chaos. <laughs> James Jordan, the last one in this traffic light segment. Yellow. Yellow. Talented player, has the potential for a wing role, but will will he be there? We, who knows? I So every team that I've made, I've basically picked him. So I'm going to say a green, depending on what I see in the preseason and round zero. I'm a big advocate on players like him who've come from other clubs, played a fair amount of games, and then basically have moved for opportunity because I know that they're going to play. So for me, James Jordan fills a role that probably Taylor Adams comes off the bench and does that because Adams has got that injury history, right? You don't have a mid-20-year-old player coming from another club that's successful to Sydney that's also successful to go and play VFL. Like, it, it just doesn't happen. So they've penciled in a role for him Somehow they've got him across, probably not on huge money, but on enough money to come and play best 22 every week. So at 275K, he's not valued that high, that if he comes out and has a few good games, averages like a 70 to an 80, I'm cashing him out at at 400K. So in our sorely depleted forward line, he's definitely taking up a position at the moment or in massive consideration for one. Yeah, I think that Callum Mills shape hole is actually popping up again because he has had that experience playing center bounces at Melbourne. Uh, and mm. by all means is extremely talented. I'm shattered that we didn't retain him, but obviously there's a strategy that comes with it. And I don't ever want to discourage young players from going and exploring opportunities like that. So hopefully he can fulfill that potential with Sydney in some capacity. I lied. There's one more player, Elijah Sardis. Red. Yeah, he's a, he's a red for me at the moment. Potentially going to a yellow, depending on position or not. But from what I'm hearing from Joe, who I'll reference again because he's the Essendon fan, and I'm a big advocate on, look, I follow North Melbourne. I know what North Melbourne does. Damo follows Frio. He knows what they does. Clay, Clarkie does Melbourne. He, he knows what they're up to. So from what I'm hearing from Joe, Sardis might not even be best 22 at this point. So... If he plays consistently, potentially he's offering some value there. But right now, no thanks. He's a red, could be yellow for me, but red at the moment. And just to finish off, Tom Emmett, Nate Caddy and Chris Burgess are rookie-priced players who we should all be looking out for during the preseason. They could be best 22. They might not be. Who knows? But they are cheap and in the forward line. Sounds good to me. Uh, I think think Caddy's going to play, like, if he's fit, he offers something that Essendon doesn't have, something that they didn't have with Weedman or Shackey or whoever else they've tried to bring in and um, Harry Jones in that position as well. So if, if Caddy plays, he's going to play every week. Um, he's probably going to end up 350K very early because they're going to use him as a focal position. Apparently, um, what I'm hearing in preseason, like intercobs and whatnot, he's already beating up on their mature age players in the back line. That, that's just how good this kid is and... I know North Melbourne went after Dersma, but Caddy would be a fantastic addition as well. And that that's how good the kid is. So I know we don't normally pick forwards in Supercoach, especially overpriced ones, um, but definitely someone to look out for. And 
to really consider because if you don't have him, he's going to go big and you, he's going to hurt you. Well said. And that is everyone. Oh, not every, not everyone. We can't talk about everyone. We'd be here for days, but that is everyone who who uh, who is slightly super coach relevant. Um, argue, arguably, Big J, thanks for joining us. Where can people find you? Um, so we've got a few different platforms. Uh, the Centre Bounce on Twitter, uh, same on YouTube, and we're trying to build the Facebook page as well. So we'd love a, a like on there if you can. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. It's always a pleasure. Uh, hey. Go listen to the Falcon. <laughs> Damo, we had you on for Freo. We've been doing team previews. If you want some episodes about football, that are talking to supporters about their experiences following their teams and why they follow the people that they follow. So go ahead and follow us on Falcon Footy Pod. Damo, you came and did the Freo episode, and we've just posted the episode about Geelong with M. Chalice, uh, formerly known as Supercoach Mama, 2021 Supercoach winner. And that was fantastic as well. So go ahead and check us out there. Yeah, definitely worth a listen. You have been listening to Footy Mailbag. Remember to banter respectfully and we'll chat next time.